0: Back to Life North of the 54th.
1: I'm Garrett Brown. And I am Preston Brown. And we're pleased to have join us again, Ron and Laura, and we'll have them give a quick introduction to themselves once more.
2: I'm Laura Brown. I'm the mom of Garrett and Preston, and happy to be back to share some more insights of the North.
3: I'm Ron Brown, and I'm the dad of these two fine young men doing this podcast. And we are happy to talk with them again. I live in Grand Prairie at the moment, and we are excited to discuss the Peace River Country
0: again. Thanks so much for coming back, Mom and Dad. We wanted you both back at the same time so that we could get your sides of the story for how you met, how your courtship went, and how you blended two families together. You can take it away how best you see fit as a old married couple. Not that you're old. You've just been married for a while, Yeah. <laughs>
2: We just celebrated our 23rd anniversary, so yeah, it's been a few years since this all started.
1: (laughs) So, Mom, how did it start for you?
2: Well, I originally joined the church in April of 1999, and then I heard about your mom's passing in June, and I guess that's where it started, because your mom, Kim Brown, was in the school, I believe, registering Katie for kindergarten on June...
3: 7th, I think it was June
2: 7th. Yeah. Yeah. And my mom, Jean McKinnon, was the secretary at the school. And my mom knew Kim. And my mom had mentioned to her how much she was missing me because I lived in Calgary at the time. Kim's response to my mom was, she'll be home before you know it. Which seemed a little odd because I had no plans of leaving Calgary anytime in the near future. Word had spread that your mom had passed away. And I'd come home to visit my parents in July. My mother had said that we should go out and meet Ron and you guys and take you guys some cookies and stuff. But I think you guys were away. So that didn't end up working out. Then later in September, there was a mutual friend, Leona Curry, that dad knew and my mom knew. And I guess my name was brought up that I was a single mom in Calgary. My mom said she asked me to give your dad my phone number. I do not recollect that. But then was I think it was the end of September, the beginning of October, Ron had called the school to talk to them about what the kids and
3: Yeah, it was it was at the beginning of September where I called the school and I Got a hold of Laura's mom, Jean, and we were talking, and I went through the items that I needed to discuss, and then she mentioned something about Laura, and I said, well, I can't call her because I don't have her number. So from there, Laura's mom proceeded to give me her number, and then I started the, I can't remember when it was, but it was in September, October there end of September that I called her and we started talking and started introducing ourselves and got to know each other over the phone first
2: and then I'd come home for Thanksgiving that year um, it was the same time that Grandpa Brown had passed away in the car accident down in Fort McLeod so instead of think dad's original plan was to head to a wedding down in Cardston However, it ended up being a funeral up in Fort St. John of October of 1999. So anyways, I came home for Thanksgiving that year. And your dad ended up making the decision to come home a day early from the funeral. That's when we first met face to face. Went out and visited and my parents took care of Megan. And you guys ended up staying up in Fort St. John And then I remember I was out at your, at the farm, was it the Saturday or I think the Sunday and Aunt Luann and Uncle Gary and their family had stopped by and dad, I think, introduced me to them. And then the first time we met, I think at the first family reunion, that next, I don't know, whatever year it was, the one we had in Wright Rock, Gary was like, oh, I thought you were the nanny. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> At that time, Dad and I weren't even, we were just dating. like. <laughs> <laughs> and we talked about what the future might look like, and we went on our merry way. I went back to Calgary, and we still visited. And then the first time I met you guys was, End of October, Dad brought you guys down for a Halloween party.
3: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I flew down to Calgary once before the Halloween party.
2: I don't remember that.
3: <laughs> okay. I think
2: that was after.
3: Was that after? Mm hmm. I thought they had a YSA dance, the fall ball.
2: Yeah, I don't remember. Anyways, okay.
3: There's a time, I think I flew down a couple of times to Calgary. When yeah. we
2: were courting over the time. That was much time between the middle of October and the end of October. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> that's why I flew and not drove.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I certainly remember going down for the, the Halloween party.
3: Yeah.
0: I don't remember the Halloween party, but we did go to the zoo, right? Oh, yeah, I guess that's mostly what I remember is the zoo. The Calgary yeah,
3: zoo. the Calgary Zoo. We had kind of the Halloween Theme at the zoo,, mm-hmm. and then Daryl Code and his family was there. They took us to the zoo with them. we all went there, and we stayed at the codes when we were down there in in Calgary. yeah, but then that weekend is when I proposed to Laura, and she said yes, so then it started the the plans for a marriage, yeah.
2: I remember sitting down knowing that you guys would go back to school on the Tuesday. I think dad kept you out of school an extra day that week just for traveling back. Yeah. And we knew we needed to tell my mom what was going on. (laughs) And I remember telling her that we were engaged and she seemed concerned. Knowing that Ron was LDS and what that would look like and... I just simply said, well, you knew he was LDS when you gave him my phone number. So what will be, will be. But at the same time, I hadn't told my parents I joined the church at that time.
0: Uh.
2: Um, so I asked my mom if she was still sitting. And she said yes. And I said, well, I joined the Mormon church back in April. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a lot to take in for grandma in one day. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> She was, she was young back then. She could handle it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. So then the plan, yeah, like dad said, the plan was in motion to have me come back to Grand Prairie. So he came down or I'd come home for Christmas that year and then flew back to pack my apartment. And then I remembered dad went to start the old blue truck and had some mechanical issues and got, ended up getting on the road super late by the time we got that those problems fixed and arriving super early in the morning <laughs> into Grand Prairie and the adventure began
3: yeah the adventure to get down there to move you up from Calgary back to Grand Prairie was an adventure too you know yeah you mentioned that the truck had had some mechanical problems but i had left grand prairie and i got to the duke and the water pump went out on it oh man and so in december i changed the water pump at the waste scale there by the duke and uncle tim jones got me parts and brought them to me at a spruce grove because he's able to get parts at zender ford there and you know so he helped me out there and I wasn't able to tighten the water pump fan as tight as I would like to have. And so the mechanical problem that I had in Calgary was when I started the truck, it kicked back just a bit and it spun the fan off and went right into the radiator. Oh, man. So then I had a leaky radiator. <laughs> so I had to find a rad shop that could fix my truck right away. And we managed to get it done. hmm but can't remember. I think they were able to do it in one day. So, which month was this? In December. Oh wow!
2: December thirty first at that. Oh. I remember showing up in Grand Prairie on January first, early, early in the morning.
3: Wow! Well, celebrate the whole New Year together, driving through the night. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so then, Laura, she became the nanny out at the house for you kids while I went to work, and she drove the suburban back and forth from town and.
2: I drove the old blue truck. Cuz I remember mornings it wouldn't start and you're like, did you plug it in? In the dead of winter. And I thought I had, but I don't know if it was a faulty wire or what, but number of mornings you had to come boost me before you could go to work. <laughs> so I could get the out to your place to get the kids on the bus. Yeah. Now,
0: for a diesel truck, yeah, you definitely need to plug it in yeah. instead of winter in Canada. In the winter, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially that
3: truck. yeah.
2: yeah.
3: <laughs> but yeah, from January on to February, February 26th is when we got married that year. I wanted the wedding on the 29th, but mom would have nothing to do with that. Oh, that's true.
2: It was a leap year, yep.
3: <laughs> It Yeah, it's
0: interesting because it's a leap year because it's the fourth year, but it's not a leap year every hundred years, but it is a leap year every 400 years. So it was one of the ones where actually it shouldn't have been a leap year, but it was a divisible by 400. So it was a leap year. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting.
2: <laughs> I've never done the math. <laughs> it's it's
0: one of those ridiculous things where it's just sort of uh humankind trying to put control on the universe. It's just like, how do we, how do we make this work? It's just, Yeah.
3: <laughs> It just so happened that the year 2000 was a leap year.
0: Yep, that's yeah. right. Yeah, as a, as a, You wouldn't be celebrating your 23rd anniversary. You would still be celebrating your, I guess, 6th anniversary? 7th? Waiting <laughs> for your 7th? <seventh. laughs>
2: like that. Might have saved Dad a few dollars had it been that way. But... <laughs> yeah. uh, it's been a good 23 years. Ugh. Lots of adventures we've been on. Oh, yeah. A lot of people ask me, well, how did you do it? How did you go from having one child to raising eight or seven at the time? Yeah. And I said, I just did. <laughs> I just loved you guys like you were my own and went forward from there.
0: Yes. Thank you. It's it's a lot. I, I can't imagine. It must be must have been really hard and a lot of work.
2: We made lots of cookies together, and lots of bread and buns, and lots of food. That took a lot of time.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, we did have difficult times that we had to go through and work out, and you know, we were able to work through them. And just because we got married and started together, it didn't mean that it was easy. Yeah, you know, we weren't immune to the challenges of life—both physical, mental, spiritual, economical. We were all challenges that we've had over the years and it's still not peaches and roses now you know we still have difficult things to work through and help out you know it's just different yeah we know we can get through a lot of things because we went through a few lot of things
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing it's really nice to hear and also really nice to capture some some version of the story, so we can share with others. Our siblings and oh, ba- yeah, go ahead.
2: Back to the story. I think when you guys came down in October, just to backtrack, Lisa's teacher had asked her where they were going for the weekend, and there was talk that, "Hey, I'm going to go meet my new mom," <laughs> 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 and then that made its way to my mom in the office, and my mom was like, "No, that's not happening." but then the night that dad proposed to me as well, I remember taking you guys back to codes before dad and I went out on a date that night and Katie had climbed up on my lap and asked me, so when do I get to call you mom? And I thought that was kind of special. Not that dad and I had talked a lot about marriage, but I guess there was thoughts of it. And I don't know. It was just, Interesting how all those things came into play that I guess it was meant to be for me to say yes to your dad, so.
1: Yeah. Kind of makes me think of old-fashioned, even for all of us, courtship, where you decide to get engaged, you courtship, and then you get married. The whole dating thing was just like not a thing. I don't know if you ever have heard those kinds of stories from like centuries ago.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you you hear that you you court and then you get married and I don't know, it's... (laughs) I guess that's how we did it. We just did it in a fast-forward type of situation, <laughs> if you think of how quickly everything kind of happens, so
3: I mean, what was your boys' perception of that time period after losing your birth mom? It was really traumatic, like losing
0: mom and grandpa and grandma the year before. It was, I don't know, kind of a daze. Don't really remember very much. I certainly remember being in Calgary, going to the zoo and actually being kind of confused why there's so many dinosaurs at the zoo. Having gone back to the Calgary Zoo, I understand why. But at the time, it was just very confusing. It's like, I thought this was a zoo, not, not a theme park.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that 12 months was quite quite the time for us as a family, you know, because Grandma Brown passed away in October of 1998. And then your birth mom passed away in June of 99 and Grandpa Brown passed away in the 1st of October of 99. So, yeah, that was uh, that was a real tough year. Yeah. And, you know, we made it through. We were able to deal with the all the situations at hand and, you know, now the kids are all over the place. And when we tell our story or when we talk about our story to others, they just kinda roll their eyes in awe that that actually happened to somebody, you know. But I I think that we've done okay with that situation.
1: I have to think of vicissitudes or traumatic things that happen to people. You have to accept that you are no longer the person you were before the event. And I think about that sometimes, that when, you no, know, something so significant happens in your life that you are a different person from that moment because of that event. But it's hard to understand all those things when I was seven years old. Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty
3: and even now, sometimes it's hard to understand them and sometimes get your head wrapped around the events. But, you know, those were, like you say, a significant time period that changed us all. But you kids, you know, you had a summer and went back to school that fall. And we kept going. And then, I'm just trying to think, you know, uh, the, any big events that happened after that. The next real big event, I guess, was when we took a trip to Disneyland, huh? Not much, you know, not much happened before that, 2007.
0: I feel like a lot of it was just a wheel of life. Like, you know, you got to go here, you got to go there, you got to do this, you got to go do that. Just as, mm. you know, like the older siblings were becoming teenagers, so we were just... Everywhere doing all of the things, trying to like keep up with stuff, and 2007 was sort of not. I wouldn't say the end of it because there were certainly many more kids to become teenagers and do The, that too.
1: the start of the end.
0: Yeah, it was the start of the end of it because two kids graduated,
1: and one got married that year. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Of the two kids that graduated, not so, not one of the younger <laughs> kids got married. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Well, I think lots happened between. 2000 and 2007, Dorothy was born, and yep. I think we did the best we could as parents to raise you you kids and keep you busy with sports and activities and living on the farm, and that, that took a lot of our time and energy, right? So,
0: Yeah, it really did. Sports on top of 4-H and church, lots of stuff going on.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And gardening and feeding you guys and... That's true. Canning every summer and...
3: I mean, every four years, starting in 2001, we went to the Brown Family Reunion. Yeah. You know, that was always fun to go to and, you know, get to know my brothers and sisters and your cousins and and everything.
0: Yeah, I've I've since learned that those reunions are much bigger and more intense than other people's normal family reunions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People don't usually have family reunions quite so long and quite so full of everything. Right, we want to do it every four Mm -hmm. years. Yeah, exactly. Or six years, I guess, in
1: this case. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yes. Yeah, the next one is this summer, but we're, you know, we're in charge of planning that here, but we're finding that a lot of the next generation, you and your cousins, are not able to make it because their lives, and just such as yours, are busy, and you've got families you're tending to now, and so this may be the last one so-called reunion that we plan at a big site, you know, but the next one will probably be okay. We're going to have a weekend here. If you come, great. If not, we wish you well.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Under the same line of thought is also like trying to ask, you know, let's have a family reunion with all of the descendants of, you know, great, great, great grandpa or someone. Then, You have to get a few thousand people together and Mm -hmm. you don't really know each other anymore because it's been so long and so far.
3: Mm -hmm. That's the way we're finding that it is. I mean, how much do you remember of us going down to visit Uncle Tony in Kalispell all the time?
0: A lot. Yeah, I really enjoyed those visits. And I remember the family reunions really well, too. They were very significant things.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. And so that's what we've tried to do. We've tried to maintain family connections and... It's This peace country, it's a long ways from anywhere, and it's always a travel. And it was always easier to travel south than people to travel north. So funny how it is up here. Yeah.
0: So do you want to share with us the plan and the trip to Disneyland? Because that was also something that was quite, well, significantly different than any other experience that we had. It was a Christmas trip. So it was essentially the Christmas present, but it was a much bigger scale than anything we'd done before. Is that right?
3: It was. It just happened to be a time of year, November or thereabouts. We looked at our finances and we had a little bit of extra money and we thought, well, let's just plan a trip. Let's go to Disneyland because it's always warm in California. <laughs> yes. And so, mid-November, we started planning this trip to Disneyland. You know, we started gathering the things we thought we might need, and you know made sure the van was equipped and, and ready for travel. made sure we had the TV in there and so that you could watch movies on the drive, because driving from Grand Prairie to disneyland is is a good three, three and a half day drive. yeah <laughs> You know, I don't know what you guys remember of the drive, but it seemed like we'd just get up and we'd drive all day long and find the hotel at night. But the drive down, you know, was time that we spent together and talked about. And I think I heard a lot more movies than I've ever seen. So (laughs) I don't know that you remember, but we tried to make it so that each of you had your own little headphones, and it would. We tried to put the sound through an fm transmitter and we had all these little radios for each of you kids and it worked out in the country but when we got into the bigger cities (laughs) there was so much interference and other stations jamming on the fm transmitters that they were transmitting that it didn't work (laughs) so we just ended up buying some bigger speakers and making it so that they could turn it up and listen to the movies to give yourselves some entertainment while we drove those thousands of miles but it was a you know we planned it and we went down and i remember you know we getting into los angeles or anaheim christmas eve i think it was
2: Mm -hmm.
3: and at the hotel you kids hey let's go swimming yep it was a heated outdoor pool it's like Everyone there thought it was so cold but because we just came from the cold, snowy north. It was warm and it was like, yeah, crazy Canadians swimming in the outdoor on Christmas Eve. Yeah, it was like 15 or 16 degrees Celsius
0: or something.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. After like 20
0: below, that's like (laughs) balmy, man. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I enjoyed the outdoor swim there. It was nice, especially to be in the water after being in the car. That was also my first mm-hmm. experience when we crested over the hills uh, in California, coming into, not L.A., but, you know, towards L.A.
2: The metropolis. Yeah. yeah, I just remember
0: looking and just city just forever. I had never really thought that it existed. I like, heard about it or something like that. But no, just to actually see city lights
2: mm-hmm.
0: from where we were all the way to the horizon in every direction. It was it was so astonishing. I just didn't think that there was such a big city.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that was amazing. Well, we were able to travel down safely and enjoy Disneyland. I remember, you know, the, one of the first days there, we thought, okay, we're going to have the traditional Disneyland lunch and corn dogs and fries and whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And just to feed corn dogs and fries, I think, was 125 bucks <laughs> <laughs> U.S.
2: <laughs>
3: dollar. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah, those Disneyland parks prices are... Pretty
2: high. <laughs> yeah. The part I liked about Disneyland was keeping you older kids back for the night show and seeing the phantasmic show on the water that they did and the evening parade and stuff. I know dad usually took the younger ones back to the hotel earlier because I think the last night you guys stayed, but most of the nights it was you guys just didn't want to leave, which was great. You know, you guys were making memories and having experiences and. I, I just really enjoyed that time with you guys. So,
0: didn't realize that the younger siblings went back. I was so, like, my mm-hmm. memories of it are just so yeah. self centered from like my own emotional experience yeah. that I didn't even yeah. notice that our younger siblings weren't there in the evening.
2: <laughs> and I think when I say younger, I, I like I, it was Megan and Dorothy, I think, were the ones that went yeah. back. I think everybody else stayed.
1: I remember we went to go to the beach one evening to go watch the sunset. But the sunset so yeah. fast in California, we missed it. We got there and it's like almost like dark night. And dark. it's like let to go stand in the water in the wind it's like, well, this is really that much fun.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think Katie fell in the water and then we had to decide where we were going to eat. That was Christmas Day. I remember that. And we're like, where are we going to eat Christmas Day in Disneyland? And then Nowhere was open. I think we ended up en- ended up eating at Denny's <laughs> that night. It was like the only place open in Cal- in Anaheim. It was <laughs> interesting. Didn- didn't really plan that out very well. But,
3: <laughs> but that same year, Grandma Jean had gone down to Arizona to visit her brother. To visit
2: her brother. Yep.
3: And I remember, you know, we didn't tell her. We, we she thought we were going to Edmonton to go to West Edmonton Mall to the amusement park. Yeah, because we kept our Disneyland trip pretty quiet to most everybody outside our family. And I remember we were on the big uh, Sun Wheel in uh, California Adventureland, and Grandma called, and it was me and Mom and Dorothy, and I can't remember whether Megan was with us or not. But
2: I think so, maybe. But yeah.
3: we were on one that was. One of those that would roll back and forth.
2: Wobbly ones, yeah.
3: And Mom was talking to Grandma, and Dorothy was screaming. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Mom just said, oh, we're on a ride, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, there were some fun rides, you know. But
2: I could hear my uncle in the background telling my mom to stop asking so many questions. Because I'd had contact with him on us showing up and surprising my mom about, hey, we've actually been in California. Yes. <laughs> um, no.
3: well, Laura's uncle knew we were coming. So after Disneyland, we drove across over to Arizona Yeah. to
2: Havasu.
3: Lake, Lake Havasu, yeah. Lake Havasu, yeah. And we got in there in the evening and found Uncle's house and knocked on the door and I remember hearing his uncle, hearing Laura's uncle say, uncle, Herbie, uncle Harvey, yeah, asked, say, "Gene, go answer the door. And We just about gave her a heart attack. Because <laughs> she was, she was not, not expecting, expecting, us. expecting that. <laughs> it was, it was the biggest surprise we had ever given her.
0: Aside from getting married so quickly?
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah, I remember driving over to Arizona. It seemed so much longer of a drive to get to Arizona than it did to get through Nevada.
2: I think the whole trip back took a lot longer knowing that we were heading back to the <laughs> north <laughs> rather than staying in the sunny south. <laughs>
3: but But on the travel, we would get we, because there are so many of us, we'd have to get two hotel rooms all the time. Yes, I remember. We couldn't book the hotel rooms online. Because we would call ahead at the hotel and say, "We want adjoining rooms. Do you have adjoining rooms?" And so we'd always get the adjoining rooms. Yeah. And boys would sleep in one room and the
2: girls in the other. Girls would sleep in the other
3: room. Yeah, I remember those too. No, oh, that was a that was one of the fun trips that uh, we had as a whole family.
2: Mm-hmm. Then I remember stopping, I think in Callispell on the way back, and we went skating with Tony and his family. And I remember on their front lawn, you guys didn't want to make snowmen, but I think one of you made a snow whale and a snow lizard and a snow penguin. Every every animal but a snowman.
3: Yeah, just pile up the snow and it was, carve it out. And I think a hippopotamus. Yeah. I vaguely remember that. I
0: remember the hippo.
2: I, I, I have pictures somewhere. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I guess it was also a bit more leisure, a bit more of a, a leisure drive back. Compared to trying to get down. Mm-hmm. We also brought, on the way down, we brought Steve a tractor, right? A little John Deere ride on lawnmower.
3: That was a different trip. Oh, it was. That was, uh, that was a trip in the summertime or something where Okay. we didn't have... Oh, that was a trip to conference. Was that a trip to conference? Yeah, that's right.
1: Sorry, you wouldn't be able to fit the garden tractor in the luggage space.
3: Yeah.
0: We had it on the back on like a little box. box yeah.
3: No, the track, the tractor yeah. was in the back of the van. Oh, was it? The the rototiller was in a box oh. on the back of the van, and the mower deck was on the top of the van, oh. and then the luggage was all stuffed around. Yeah, this is, I guess, the importance of collective memory. But when we went to California, we had the back of the van packed with just all our winter gear and, you know, our clothes and everything.
2: Traveling for all the seasons.
3: <laughs> it's way harder. Yeah. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
3: I've noticed
0: it's so much harder to travel with a child anyway, <laughs> and then to travel mm-hmm. with a child through multiple seasons is just ten times harder. Even yeah. At least we were all
1: old enough; we didn't need boosters or car seats. And rules are probably different than two.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, Dad, you built a platform to make basically a shelf in the back of the van so that we could stack luggage more easily, and we basically would sleep on top. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep.
3: That was yep. nice. So I did. I did put a shelf in the back for that. But then after some of the kids left, I think it was after you had went on your mission, I took out one seat and I built a platform and I put a, a bed back there. Then I could sleep back there mm-hmm. while mom drove. Because <laughs> <laughs> we didn't need that. We didn't need the third seat.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember it was the trip we went to Rexburg for Christmas and we were trying to call Preston in Australia and we had a really bad, a hard time Getting that connection right because the internet at the hotel wasn't very good. And yeah, I remember not feeling well because I kept taking gravel and trying to sleep on this back bed. But it was just making it worse. I, was, I think it was just motion sickness, whatever. Nothing was helping. But one of those experiences.
3: But it seemed like we would take a trip every year down to the States. Whether it was to Kalispell or Christmas time or whether it was to see Uncle Steve or Uncle Tony.
2: Or family reunion or, yeah,
3: It was
0: nice. Or even if it wasn't as a family or when Preston, mm-hmm. Travis and I went down with John Strong to meet up with Tony and hike Chief Mountain on the mm-hmm. Blackfoot Reserve.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, that was when I first started building the house, the new house on the acreage. I just bought another truck and I said, okay, boys, why don't you take the new truck and go down and do the hike? I was going to go, but I just needed to do some things on the house to get it, try and get it locked up before winter time. so I didn't go on that, but uh, yeah, I remember sending you down to hike Chief Mountain.
0: How was building the house on the property, like being on the acreage with the old house and then deciding that you wanted to build a house on that property, a second house to move into instead of moving into a new house?
3: Well... I mean, you remember the old farmhouse that was built in, I don't know when it was built. It's older than all of us. 1702 or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was old. And it was so old that it had sawdust and newspaper in the walls for for insulation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we'd, we'd done little renos in it and it had some additions that were poorly put on and, you know, they leaked. And the, when the wind blew, the... The wind would blow through the house and you could you could feel the breeze. and The rodents would get in there and run through the ceiling and the walls and wherever. But then we decided, yeah, it was time to build a new house on the acreage.
2: Yeah. One thing about the old house is the wood stove. Something I miss of that true heat, I guess, you know, rather than that forced heat. It was always keeping the wood stove stocked, but... I know it took a lot of work of getting the wood and everything every year, but definitely taught you guys the skills of hard work to keep to keep things heated.
3: So, Yeah, what year did you go on your mission, Garrett? 2010. 2010. So, yeah, we started building the house in, wasn't it 08 or 09? Mm. Something like that. I don't know. Possibly around there. Maybe it was 2009. I think
0: I was in Fort St. John living with Jim and Pam when you started building it. That's, That's right. right. Yeah, and then I moved back and worked for the winter season, and helped a little bit on the interior framing. Yeah. And then right when I was leaving to go to England, you had contracted with Todd to do the drywall, and I was there during the consulting phase of that, but I I don't think I was there during the actual drywalling phase.
3: Yeah. So I remember, you know, we put up all the drywall, and then they came in, and they did all the mud and taping of it. But, you know, I built that house out of the ICF product, which... ICF is insulated cement forms, So, you know, it was concrete walls all the way from the footings all the way to the rafters. Yeah. And when the wind blew, you couldn't feel it. <laughs> and we put in triple pane windows, you know, with an argon fill. And in the old house, our heating bill, you know, our, our highest heating bill was Somewhere between four and five hundred bucks a month in the winter time, and that new house after we moved in there, the heating bill didn't break a (laughs) hundred dollars. Wow,
0: because you had put in a second furnace in the in the addition of the old house. That was also Mm -hmm. you tapped into the natural gas line to have a second
3: furnace. Mm
2: -hmm. Yes,
3: yeah, but yeah, that new house that we had built, it was tight, you know, warm.
2: Energy efficient, for sure.
3: I remember quite
0: clearly, and in one of those first world problems sort of ways, that the one thing that I disliked the most about the new house was in the wintertime, when the doors and windows were all closed because it was cold outside, if you were to leave the house and pull the door closed, you would get the suction pullback, and it would be more difficult Mm -hmm. to pull the door closed than if the windows were open or like in the old house where the wind blew straight through the house, you never had the problem because the door would just close as it pulled air in from outside. (laughs) It's just like the the slight Uh, resistance of having to actually like hold the door to pull it closed instead of having that like cushiony like blow of air to like stop. Anyway, that was my only complaint about that house.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But we built it, you know, we designed it and I was the general contractor on it. And did most of the work and hired the subs to come and do it. I uh, talked to a lot of people and it was a good project, you know. I'd do it again. Uh, We're planning to do it again, too. (laughs) But, you know, that old house, that old farmhouse, I hired a guy to take all the additions off it that were on there. And they took pretty much everything off, but it's still there. They use it for storage in a goat barn now. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> i don't think that that will be restored no i've seen some old buildings oh. one that was used as an old church building that eventually turned into a barn and then eventually had sentimental value to the church and the church bought it and restored it back into a church oh wow but that's not usually the life process of buildings they don't usually go from house to barn i guess from church to barn to church again heritage, heritage status <laughs> yeah yeah
3: but it was a good project you know it taught boys a bit how to build things and and helped you learn a little bit of construction, and the girls helped on that, but they could so yeah it was a it was a good project to to build a new house out there
0: we a few months ago we interviewed David Woodruff, and the house that you built influenced doug woodruff David's dad to build his house in a similar way.
3: yeah, that's right.
2: Yeah, because they, they were out helping once in a while with it and stuff and understanding the concepts of how that all, everything went together. And... Yeah,
0: before they retired and moved down to Edmonton area. Yeah, and Doug took your idea, Dad, because you had an overhang. You you built the, I guess you ordered the trusses to have yes. a six-foot overhang on the front.
2: So mm-hmm. yeah, it was a
3: six-foot yeah. overhang plus a two-foot eaves standard overhang. And so it was eight feet from the wall to the tip of the overhang.
0: Oh, Okay, and, and Doug took your idea... And did a massive overhang on both sides of the house.
3: Well, I would have done the same thing, too, after I experienced that. Yep. yep. And so, Doug, his house concept was very similar to mine, a long rectangle. But his overhangs were, like, just in the middle part. Oh. Because he had the garage on one side and bedrooms on the other end. And his where his living room and kitchen was is where the overhang was. Okay. On both sides. Yeah, okay. And it was it was really nice. And I like that idea too. And so I just like the concept of a covered porch. That's why I did it. Yeah. But yeah, that was building the house. And, and then in, uh, was it 16 that we moved, that we sold it? 2016?
2: Mm hmm.
3: We sold the acreage.
2: Uh, six, 16, we bought this place, didn't we? Our current house? Yes. We kept the acreage an extra year. We tried to rent it. Yeah. So I think it was seven...
1: Yeah, because I remember coming to visit in 2017, in the summer of 2017, and you guys still had it.
2: Yeah, and I think we were wrapping it up to sell. Yeah. Yeah, cleaning things up and... But
3: uh, living out on that 19 acres was... A lot of work. It was fun. A lot of work, but it's fun to raise the kids out there. Do you miss it? I... In some ways, yes. In other ways, no.
2: Let let, let let me answer that for dad. Yes, that's why we bought an acre to the south. <laughs> <laughs> so dad has a place to play.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine trying to maintain 19 acres by yourself. Yeah, it, I guess it depends on what you're trying to maintain it as, but yeah, it can be a lot of work.
3: Yeah, I hauled, you know, when I cleaned up the place to sell it, I borrowed Rob Bloom's dump trailer. And I hauled, I think it was 15 loads of garbage, of waste, of, you know, just everything off that place and cleaned it up. Because when I bought it, there was, there was a lot of leftover junk. I do remember that. Yeah, there was. Quite the boneyard. Do you remember piling up all the bicycles, Garrett? Yeah, I do. When we were cleaning up?
0: Yeah, in the interview I had with Stephen Meckes, I put a picture in the show notes for that. But yeah, it was quite something, just looking up the episode number 12. In episode 12, yeah. So I put a picture online of that so everybody
3: can see it. And then when I hauled it off to the dump, to the recycle, I got some pictures of that trailer load. Yep. Because when I I loaded the trailer to haul it to the metal salvage yard, I was thinking, well, how am I going to put these bikes on this trailer? You'd stacked them all up in such an artistic form. (laughs) One way to put it, I took the forks of the forks on the bobcat, scooped them up, and just set them on the back and threw some straps over and made sure nothing was going to fall off. And away I went. Yeah, but you know, living on the acreage, it was fun. You know, I remember your cousins coming over on windy days and. You'd try to get a tarp out there and use it for a sail and slide across the grass yep. on, you know, a crazy carpet or something, you know. And when the wind blew, it really blew.
2: Pulling a hood of a vehicle around behind a truck around the fields yeah. as a sled. And just having the space that you guys could do for H, even, right? You know, pressing you were able to raise a couple of steers out there and. I don't know, teach you you something, I guess.
1: Skills that I don't use all the time, but I know. Same.
3: Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough.
0: (laughs) I always found it so fascinating to grow up and see that middle patch of trees at the top of the hill behind the shop and by the hills where the tree fort was, to grow up and watch them shrink in size as my scale and my size changed. Oh. To be able to spend like an hour chopping through the bush, thinking it was the craziest, most dense bush I've ever seen. And then Mm -hmm. to be a young adult and walk through it in three minutes and know most of it. It was interesting to see it change size, to experience it differently, the same space to see it so differently.
3: Well, some of it had shrunk because we had taken trees out. Yeah. And they died and, you know, and it thinned out. And so it looked like it had shrunk.
0: Yeah, I guess most of those trees were poplar trees, right? Yes. So they would have been probably all the same organism. Pretty close. That's kind of weird to think about, but it's interesting.
2: But when you first moved there, you planted that group of, what were they, spruce trees? Just a little further to the north of the back bush?
3: Yeah, Uncle Tim had actually planted them a couple of years before we bought that place.
2: Right, okay, I thought it was you. Anyways, but you always thought you'd end up digging those out and planting them more sporadic throughout the yard, but then they grew so much that they just grew into their own little bush there. So they're pretty tall.
3: Yeah.
0: Really nice wind barrier. Mm -hmm. Those spruce trees so densely packed together. I wanted to capture your feelings on looking to leave the peace country since your kids have all left the peace country now. Well, we can't wait to get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Careful, Dad. If you've tasted the water of the peace, you may, you may spring back even farther north.
3: <laughs> you never know. But like you said, all the kids have left, you know. We are empty nesters, and we've been empty nesters for a year and a half. And we have empty nesters family home evening, and we're the youngest empty nesters that attend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But none of the eight children have decided to make their home in Grand Prairie. And for us, it's a travel to wherever you guys are, you know, Edmonton, Cold Lake, Oregon, Utah, Toronto. Yeah. You know, you guys are all over the place. And so the opportunity came to buy some land down in southern Alberta in the Cartston County. And so I bought it. I paid as much for the land for six acres down there as I paid for a truck in 2017. (laughs) (laughs) you know when everything went sideways and you know the pandemic and such and as we were coming out of that trucks started climbing in price and so I sold that truck not a loss like I expected but it was at a decent really good price yeah and that put us in a position to where after we bought the land in you know in Carson County in in the Aetna area we started looking for a holiday trailer to put on that land so that we had a place to stay when we developed it. And as we looked at trailers, they were they were so pricey, so expensive. And we were in Cartston, and we seen this house was for sale. And the little house, it was just a little 800-square-foot house. And instead of buying the trailer, we took that money we were going to put on a trailer and put it on a down payment on that house, and we bought that little house and now we have a place in cartston just you know about seven eight k from the land that we can live in when we decide to develop that land down there and you know one of the reasons we chose cartston in area is because between here and cartston edmonton is halfway so it was just as close to get to edmonton from cartston as it was from grand prairie to edmonton but it put us a whole day closer to utah or oregon where loretta and travis are yeah and, you know, it, it just felt right to, to get it at that time. And and it was fun to have just this last couple of weeks. Uh, we were down there and Lorette and Steve were able to come up for a few days to visit us.
0: Yeah, that's a much shorter drive to Cardston than it is all the way to Grand Prairie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is astonishing And growing up in Grand Prairie, thinking about how Edmonton is halfway between there and Cardston. Cardston feels like it's so far away because that's basically the U.S. border. But then to realize yeah. that actually from Grand Prairie, Edmonton is halfway. Realize that, man, Grand Prairie is pretty far away. <laughs> yeah,
3: the Edmonton International Airport is actually halfway. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I mean, if you're going to go somewhere in Edmonton from Grand Prairie, then you're going to probably hit traffic and take just as long to get to where you want to go in Edmonton as it would take to go around it and hit the airport.
3: Yeah. And, you know, Carston is only two hours from Calgary, which is a main international airport. So. It's more main than Edmonton, but mm-hmm. don't let Edmonton be too mad about it.
0: You know, Calgary's the bigger airport. <laughs> I
3: know. But would we, uh, you know, our house for our house here in the Grand Prairie is for sale, and we've had it for sale for a few months now. And as soon as we sell the house, is when we will make our decision of what we're going to do next. You know, it might be that we rent here in Grand Prairie for another couple of years or another year. I don't know. Or we might just decide that it's time to move and do something else. You know, I've been looking at different job prospects and things. I'm not ready to retire, but I'm ready to change careers. So, so that's where I'm at. And mom, she's ready for a, that was what you're ready for. Just to get out of Grand Prairie, right?
2: More or less. Yep. Obviously I grew up in Grand Prairie, you know, I, mom's still here in Grand Prairie and but there's just something about getting out of Grand Prairie that entices that feeling of being done in the north. I don't know where the future will go, and that's okay. We don't need to make that decision right now.
0: A future of snowless winters well, I don't know whether there's snowless winters but
2: I don't, I, yeah we won't I don't know that we'll get the snowless <laughs> They're
0: gonna turn into snowbirds and go south every winter and hide from it
2: <laughs> maybe.
3: i've got a fellow in our quorum that just got his mission call and he's going to the congo yeah. and i looked up congo and the equator goes through congo yeah that would be snowless
1: how boring would it be to have 12 hours of daylight (laughs) year-round
2: i think that's one thing i will miss of the north is the long summer days the northern lights all that good stuff but you can always come back and visit right Without living in it.
0: But will you? (laughs) It's harder to go back north. I don't know. (laughs) It is.
2: Yeah, but Edmonton is still north.
1: (laughs) We can see the northern lights occasionally.
2: Yeah.
3: How often have our kids traveled to Edmonton, and we travel from here to Edmonton to see them, and not all come up to the north, you know? Yeah. There, There are easier places to gather than Grand Prairie. You know, it's not that we don't like the North, but it's just none of our children and grandchildren are up here. And we were talking to Uncle Dave and Aunt Tammy here the other, last night, and they're starting to feel a little bit of that. You know, they've had a little bit of spoilage having their kids. All their kids used to be in Fort St. John for a while. Yeah. You know, and they get to know their grandkids a bit, and now they're, two, three of their kids have moved from, St. John and they live in Idaho now and they travel down to Idaho all the time. They travel to see the kids. And that's what we like to do. We like to travel and see you guys.
0: And being closer to an international airport's much easier to get flights, Flights, cheaper flights too.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got any other questions for us?
0: No, I think one more question. In your experience of living in the peace country and as you think about leaving it, how does it make you feel to think about the community that you'll leave and the people that are still here in the North?
2: Yeah, we've made some great friendships up here in the North, and a lot of them think might think that they're not going to stick around in the North either. <laughs> <laughs> the North isn't for everybody to live in forever, and I think... It's okay to leave what was and go explore what is and have more experiences. And that's, I think, what I'm looking forward to. What else is out there to explore? It was a great place in the peace here to raise our family, to grow up in, to go to school in. But we can't just get stuck in that. Because I'm from the peace, I can't leave. And that's okay. Again, you can always come back and visit. You can always have those memories to share of growing up here in the peace. And when people ask where you're from, yeah, we're from the peace country. And we've got lots of great memories up there. But why are we leaving? To have more experiences, be closer to family. Family's important to us. And, you know, we're not going to chase the kids all over the country. But to have that financial opportunity to... Have no debt and free up some assets and have that freedom to travel and experience what else this world has to offer in our soon to be senior years <laughs> <laughs> before we can't do it, right? So, yeah, there's much more out there to see and do. So,
3: yeah, I was listening to the CBC program Quirks and Quarks. a good one. And they, they talked about Einstein. Mm-hmm and how he brought in the theory of relativity. And I think about the theory of relativity all the time, and my theory of relativity is the relatives they just don't understand. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> but on the, true, <laughs> on the true theory of relativity, Greg Brary, I think, is just a spot on the third rock from the sun. And we live on the third rock from the sun, And it's huge. And there are so many places as you have discovered, both of you. And, you know, leaving the peace, the peace country is a beautiful area. Like we say, we can't beat the summers.
0: Yeah, undoubtedly.
3: But, you know, there's other places that have the beauties. You know, Mom, she loves the mountains and we love to go into the mountains and hike and walk and do all sorts of things. And so, you know, Southern Alberta is pretty close the mountains and we still got the prairies and it's just another spot on the third rock from the sun and as we you know go forward and with our plans to leave the peace country uh, we don't know exactly when that's going to be yet but you know we do have the plans to leave the peace country we'll we'll miss certain aspects of it because uh you know that's just part of life Yeah. You grow accustomed to some things and you grow and create beauty wherever you're at. And so we'll miss those things. We'll miss our friends and but we'll be able to make new ones. You know, it's the difference of, uh, you know, being a lake or a pond or being a river where you see lots of shoreline or the same shoreline all the time. Yeah. You know, my work, I've been at it for 25 years, over 25 years, 26 years. Sometimes I ask myself, have I had 26 years experience in this or have I had one year experience 26 times? And so I think it's time to make a move and do something different. That's kind of that's kinda where we're at. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Yes, thank
1: you so much for sharing with us. It's great to hear your stories, and stories that I definitely didn't know or that I definitely gained new perspective on such stories.
0: Yeah. So we'll wrap up now, but we're grateful to both of you. Grateful because you were our parents, but we're grateful that you spent some time with us to share your story, but grateful for your sacrifice in giving us wings to fly. Even if we fled the coop, we're grateful that you uh, gave us such a cozy place to stay. You're welcome. Yeah, it really means the world to us. And I guess many parts of my life, it was the world. So thank you
2: grateful that you guys were such awesome kids and that we were able to teach you a thing or two along the way and that you guys have turned into successful human beings and able to make more memories and experiences in the world so make that difference for others
3: yeah thank you as we talk about being able to teach you you know i talk with uncle tim sometimes and he said yeah raising kids is easy and they teach you a thing or two along the way. So I'm glad for what you guys have taught us.
0: Thank you. We we'll also thank our listeners for spending time with us. And if you have any questions for us, to email us at life north of the 54th at gmail.com or to check out our website at peacecountrylife.ca. We're grateful to the time you spend with us and we're glad to share the stories with you. We feel like everybody has a story to share. So we're glad to have a small platform to share those stories with thank you mom and dad we will definitely see you around you know being blood and all so
2: <laughs> yeah
0: so thank you but yeah we'll see you again have more chats chats over the seasons and over the weather and over the the drive but thanks we love you guys love you too and until Me next too. time
3: bye, bye.